Today's episode is brought to you by Cattle. Every product launch faces a chicken and egg problem. You need reviews to convert, but you need conversions to get reviews. Cattle can help. Cattle helps brands win share. They leverage their consumer panel for insights, collecting receipts, and driving product ratings and reviews. It is the largest daily active survey panel in Canada, with over 10,000 daily active users and over 100,000 monthly active users. Let cattle be your chicken and or your egg, depending on your perspective. Visit getcattle.com to learn more. Now that we're looking at feeding 10 billion uh, in just a few more years, we just cannot continue to grow food the way we've been used to. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hearts and Carts. Yeah, Justin here. I'm here with Alex. Alex, what's new in your world? Well, I'm uh, I'm actually on vacation this week, um, which is nice. has been pretty sweet. I've been just fixing stuff around the house, which I think is, um, you know, just further confirmation that I am a grown up now. Um, <laughs> That's an adult vacation. You're staying <laughs> home and fixing shit around the house. <laughs> I, I was hoping I was hoping I might get a visit from uh, from you while you were in Ontario, but uh, but I guess I guess I shouldn't be holding my breath. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad um, you're fixing up the place and getting it ready just in case I swing by. It's nice that I it'd want, be, it'd be yeah. great. I was worried maybe last time you 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 thought some of the disrepair maybe was a reason not to come back. So. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually off to, uh, to the lovely Prince Edward County, uh, tomorrow Jeez. for a few days. So Wineries? Take, uh, just going to go to the beach and, uh, yeah, probably, I'll probably sneak off to a couple of craft brewer, uh, craft breweries around uh, the county. Like there's some really awesome ones out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, no one else I'm going with really drinks. So I'll, I'll be doing that solo, um, but uh, yeah, take the little guy to the beach and should be a nice time. Mix in a Libra, maybe. Um, sounds like you don't want to be having too much, but that sounds awesome. Spending time at the beach, super hot probably. So enjoy, man. That's exciting. I'm I'm flying back to Vancouver, so I'm just excited to be home and um, and go, you know, relax and enjoy the house again. But uh, enough about us. We've got a, a pretty exciting episode today. We're learning about something that I didn't even know existed, a whole different product, um, a whole different sustainable resource, um, learning about alternative proteins and, and millets. Alex, who do we got on today? Today, we're going to be chatting with Sujala Balaji, who is the founder and CEO of Rainfed Foods. Uh, Sujala is a trained food scientist and um, has uh, a lot of experience in, in R&D prior to this. And Justin and I actually met Sujala for the first time at CHFA West, and we're lucky enough to, to get the chance to test RainFed there. And this product is one of the best dairy alternatives I've ever tasted. Um, and, you know, to Justin's point, you know, millet, uh, millet is not a, 
I think I'd heard the word before, but I didn't know anything about it as a as a food source. Uh, it's popular in other parts of the world, and uh, Sujal is going to tell us a whole bunch about it. So, uh, really excited to to have that discussion and share it with you. And uh, if you aren't already, follow us on our various social media platforms. And let's jump into this uh, this conversation. Hey, Sujala. Hey, good, good. How are you? Nice to meet you, Justin and Alex. Doing good, doing good. How are you doing? Much better than I was Monday. Was it supposed? Were we supposed to talk? No, Friday. I can't remember. Well, that's a sign. That's a sign. It's been crazy. Right. Yeah, Yeah. glad to hear it's going better. Yes. So, yeah. Thanks for uh, accommodating my last-minute request the other day. Yeah, it was uh, unexpected and uh, just didn't feel like I would would have been in the right headspace to be fully present. And um, yeah, today's a much better day. How are you doing? Doing good, doing doing good. I I get it. Podcasting is a bit of a vibe. You don't want to you don't want to be like forcing a (laughs) podcast. That's that's, you know, it's it's something you want to kind of ease into when you're when you're feeling relaxed. So yeah, but doing good over here, uh, trying to avoid the smoke uh, as best I can. Uh, are you? You're I, in the GTA well, too, right? I am, but right now I'm in um, uh, I'm in Berkeley, California. Oh, very nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but I heard that I I left yesterday. I got here last night, so yeah. I was surprised to hear that there was smoke today because the same thing happened the yeah. last time I came here. <laughs> <laughs> So you're, not, you're, you're, you're questioning if it's actually happening if we're just making it up <laughs> or, or she's the cause who knows like, right? <laughs> it seems to be... <laughs> shot the shot the jet engines a little too yeah. hard on the way out yeah. <laughs> while, while you're fun. in while you're in berkeley uh maybe you've already done this but check out berkeley bowl it's my favorite grocery store in the world yes love I've... it I've been there once, but yeah. uh, didn't have a lot of time at that time. So I, I should probably go back again. Yeah, nice. I've gushed about this. I mean, mm. this maybe only people in our industry would understand when I tell my wife mm-hmm. about this. She's like, I don't care. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is a beautiful grocery. Like the produce section is enormous. It's so yes. nice. I would love yes. to shop at a store like that. It's it's, yeah. it's quite something. Based nice. on the name, is there only one of them? There's two of them, I think. Two, oh, there's yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you've been to Good Earth, which I find is like a very addictive grocery store as well. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge grocery store fan, nerd, whatever. Everywhere I go, it's on the top of my uh, top of my list to check out. So I absolutely love Good Earth as well. Yeah, you're you're in like the hotbed too, right? Like you're in like Mm -hmm. the place with like some of the best grocery stores ever, like San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, like that whole area is just filled with incredible grocery stores that's where we always do like our u.s market tours oh nice 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 quite nice and uh you're based in uh bc i am yeah i'm on vancouver island so yeah i'm on vancouver island a town called souk sort of on the west side of vancouver island okay nice. i'm just i'm just above you i guess i'm just north of you right now got it good weather yeah good weather got it but um got it yeah we we uh, have met before, but it was quickly, and it was probably mm-hmm. a blur for you because you had thousands of visitors, which was at CHFA West. <laughs> CHFA we came, West. We came, we came by the 
the booth and Alex and I were, were just talking about it at that show. We tried, I don't even know how many, would you get like hundred products? Maybe like a lot, a lot of food. We tried a lot of different food, uh, a lot of great stuff, but yours stood out to us as one of the best products in the entire show. And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest, but truly like we were, we were blown away. And we even said like, with all the different food there, pizza and things like that, like for a non-dairy milk to be like one of the biggest takeaways shows how freaking amazing the the milk really is. So um, we loved it and couldn't wait to talk to you more about it. And I'd never heard of millets before. And so the whole thing was really, really cool to me. Thank you. That uh, means a lot. Um, and I, 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 I am going to believe you when you say that uh, you're not saying it just because I'm a guest <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yes, thank you. It means a lot. Yeah, we we have talked about it many times. We're like, yeah, I couldn't believe how Alex and I both wrote down like a list of our favorite products, and that was right at the top. And someone recommended we swing by your booth. It was Phil Chang. I was going to say we got to give Phil 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 from uh, this Commerce Life a quick shout out because he was he was the one who who saw this this product and 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 recognized its its uh, quality first and sent us over. But yeah, I, I think you know aside from being a great product. It's really unique too, which, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've like you, to your point, Jess, I've never heard of anything like it, which is, I think, stand out and has great, great product qualities and, and, you know, nutritional macros and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. So let, I mean, let, let's just get into it. I, I want to hear more about your story and kind of the lead up, you know, your life pre rain fed, you have some interesting stops and interesting experience that sort of led you to where you are and get a flavor for that. So maybe you could just start off with like, Telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your career, life before, you know, RainFed and what you did and, and how you got here. And then we'll work our sort of way up. Sure. Absolutely. Are we on right now? Is that, is this? We okay. are. Yeah, we are. So, so Berkeley Bowl okay. should be a sponsor now. Berkeley Bowl, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> good Earth too. We'll take Good Earth too. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. So my career, um, before I jump into that quickly, uh, just a bit about my background. I grew up in India and um, I went to an agricultural university for my undergrad in India. So I think that really set me up well for a career in food and agriculture uh, from a very young age. And um, in India, you know, industrialized farming uh, didn't exist to the scale it does today. Um, as I grew up, everything's produced in small batches and local farms. And that's the type of uh, ag ecosystem that I was used to growing up. And my grandparents were farmers. So food was very close to heart and home and uh, led me to pursue an undergraduate degree in uh, food engineering. And, uh, and then I moved to Canada to go to grad school, which was at uh, University of Manitoba. And uh, my master's research was focused on cereal grains. Um, mm. <laughs> funded I'm, I'm, by I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the pattern. Yeah, I'm you see the pattern now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> funded by uh, Canadian Grain Commission. Uh, so that uh, really helped me dig into the um, types of crops we grow here and introduced me to the extent of uh, industrialized agriculture not to blame industrialized agriculture because it, it did help us, you know, feed the growing population for the last few decades. And uh, it was good for a certain period of time when the population was expanding rapidly. But now that we're looking at feeding 10 billion 
in just a few more years, we just cannot continue to grow food the way we've been used to. Um, so as I was doing my master's, uh, I came to realize how monocropping is a big deal here. And uh, really, you know, four crops that we grow, wheat, soy, corn, uh, contribute to over 70% of all calories in the food system here, which was shocking. Yeah. And, uh, but it took me a while before before I jumped on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, after grad school, I worked at a functional food startup. Uh, that was the first startup that was making flax oil at scale. Mm-hmm. And I was an early employee there, uh, had the pleasure of uh, watching a manufacturing facility being built from scratch and uh, producing the first bottle of flax oil that is shelf stable that can be sold on the in in the uh, stores at the same category as other edible oils instead of being sold in a fridge in a natural store. So uh, that really I think uh, helped me understand how functional foods uh, and nutraceuticals can really play a key role in in our health and diets. But after that, I had to go work for a large dairy company to learn some <laughs> life lessons. <laughs> um, I, I moved from Manitoba to Ontario for personal reasons and uh, started working for um, a big dairy company, which I'm sure every Canadian uh, knows because the, 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 the brand is a staple in homes. And uh, I, my role was in technical project management. So... Uh, that means that uh, I got to work with teams of uh, different departments from R&D to operations, to purchasing, to supply chain, to QA uh, as a technical expert for uh, manufacturing and scaling products, uh, whether it's new products or uh, trying new ingredients in different products uh, in the in the processed cheese category in particular, which is like a you know, a hodgepodge of a mix of lots of ingredients. Uh, and But it, it, it is a very uh, high volume product. So it was one of the core products of the business. And uh, I spent a lot of time um, in, uh, in that category, which at that time, I, I guess I didn't understand the value of uh, what that would do to, to uh, creating products at RainFed. But uh, somewhere, somewhere along the line, just didn't feel like uh, that's the career I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life. And uh, understanding how uh, how are food systems being impacted uh, through whether it's, you know, unethical sourcing or um, ingredients that are uh, not necessarily sustainable and uh, mm. manufacturing technologies that are very dated and uh, just not scalable. So all of that kind of led to me wondering, how do I use my education and experience for greater good? And uh, especially being uh, raised in India just allowed me to imagine the opportunities that I have here uh, living in Canada and 
the doors that are open if I want to, you know, if I want to step in through them. So that's, uh, that's really the turning point. Um, I think it's six, seven years ago now that I left, uh, left the full-time role and traded that for the uh, uh, uncertainties of uh, entrepreneurship and started my first company, Kosher Foods, uh, which was also focused on millet. But um, uh, that's kind of where I wanted to work with farmers in India directly with smallholder farmers in India to to provide them a stable source of income uh, by eliminating middlemen that uh, they're usually get taken advantage of by and uh, promoting a very sustainable sourcing model and creating snacks, uh, especially gluten-free snacks, because uh, most of the gluten-free snacks are just loaded with uh, ingredients like starches and fillers and mm -hmm. not, uh, not necessarily nutrient-dense. So I wanted to address that category and create really nutritious gluten-free snacks using millets. And uh, I did that for a few years, but as I was going to launch into retail, uh, I mean, it was a very small operation because I was doing this as a side hustle while I still had my full-time job for a while. And then uh, as we were uh, going to retail, there were, there were some uh, unexpected challenges that presented and um, had to put all plans on hold. And uh, a few months later, just uh, had a moment where, again, I went back to the drawing board as to trying to figure out what to do with life. And uh, that's when I was pretty confident that this is what I wanted to do, uh, as in, you know, figure out a way to contribute uh, meaningfully to the food industry. And I just um, was really drawn to the whole plant-based space because I saw that that was an emerging space at the moment, but a lot of the products that were being created were just created, not necessarily with innovation in mind, not necessarily mm. with the, the right ingredients in mind, mm. but just as an alternative. For example, you know, there were uh, different um, uh, different varieties of soy burgers that were coming out or different types of um, um, products that didn't necessarily have a unique point of differentiation. Yeah. So wanted to fill some needs in that space, needs and gaps, and uh, looked at the alternative dairy category. And uh, with my experience in the dairy industry, you know, even though that space is so competitive and crowded, you know, that's something that I usually as like a first response investors tell me that, oh, that space is crowded. Yes, it is crowded. <laughs> It has been for decades, I think, because we've had soy milk for a very long time mm -hmm. and rice milk for a very long time and almond milk for, I don't know, more than 20, 30 years. So sure, there is a lot of different types of milks coming up, but there isn't necessarily one milk that checks or hits all the boxes for consumers, whether it's taste, protein, calcium, clean label, um, sustainable ingredients. Almonds are great, uh, but they don't have almond milks, doesn't have enough protein. And almond, the mm. largest selling milk in the plant milk category is almond milk. More than 60% uh, of the retail sales is in the almond milk. Wow. Um, but almonds consume a lot of water. Um, it's just not a water efficient crop. So on that regard, there's just a lot of things that we're missing. 
in every single milk that you would find. And uh, I took it upon as a challenge in creating the perfect milk where people don't feel like they have to compromise on when they switch from dairy. So that's how rain-fed milk was formed. Sorry, long answer, I, but no, there you no, go. <laughs> no, I, I love that. It's nice to see like sort of the millets kind of going through. Uh, Alex and I talked about this a little bit too, how the non-dairy trends, it was, you know, soy a long time ago and then um, then almond milk and oat milk and hemp milk and like they were going through coconut, um, cashew, like there's been a bunch of different ones that have popped up over the years and and all of them have sort of pros and cons and where they can grow, how much water they use. There's other like ethical things. There's all, all kinds of things. Millet mm-hmm. is one that I haven't seen any of the big you know, like the silks of the world, any of the big companies right. done yet, it was a completely new one for me. So maybe we could just start there. Like what, what is it and, and sure, why yeah. do you use it? Yes. Um, as you mentioned, the silks of the world. So we actually launched our milk um, at a, a large food conference early this year, uh, Future Food Tech, where some of the biggest dairy companies, both the companies that have their own brands and the manufacturers came and tried our product and told us that this is the best plant milk they've tried. So that, thank you. That was a really good compliment. So why millets are, um, you don't necessarily see millet even as an ingredient in a lot of the food product um, is, uh, is perplexing, to be honest. But I grew up in India eating millets. Uh, in India, uh, our India is one of the largest millet-producing countries in the world. So perhaps it's my experience eating them that made me want to think differently about millets. But it's also one of the reasons I chose to work with millet because um, they, in addition to being a a delicious grain to eat, um, although it's not a grain, technically speaking, it's a seed, it's a pseudo cereal. Mm. Um, Millets are a very sustainable crop to grow. It does not need a lot of water. It's a little bit of rain is all it takes, which is where our name comes from, uh, rain fed, because millets are rain fed crops. And uh, it has a very short crop cycle. It can grow in 45 to 60 days tops. And there is more than one variety of millet. So every variety actually looks different, tastes different, Mm -hmm. and has a different nutritional profile. So you're not necessarily eating the same thing every single day and uh, getting bored by it if you're consuming it as a cereal, as a side. Um, In India, it's usually eaten as a substitute for rice. Um, Mm -hmm. it makes excellent porridge, millet flour. You can use it to bake. You can use it to make pancakes, waffles, uh, however you want. Uh, it's naturally gluten-free and uh, it's a low glycemic uh, crop, meaning uh, it doesn't necessarily spike your blood sugar when you consume millets. And actually it does the opposite. So it regulates blood glucose levels. So there have been studies coming out recently that show that one can actually clinically uh, regulate diabetes just through consumption of millets. Crazy. I I, know it's funny, like uh, before trying your product, I hadn't Mm -hmm. really heard much. I I think I'd heard the term millet, but I, I knew nothing about it. And in preparing to chat today, I was doing research. And one that struck me is, uh, Agriculture Canada, if you Google millet crops, like Google serves you this Canada.ca 
statement about millet, and it is basically millet. Millet is an ancient grain and superfood, and a resilient and sustainable crop, nutritionally dense and versatile. Many uses, like it, it just. It's like the yes. most, it's the most glowing like, review, glowing review <laughs> right from like the government source. Wow. And we're Amazing. not even eating this thing. Like, exactly. Yeah, that must yeah. be somewhat new, I think, because, uh, or maybe I haven't Googled millets in a long time. <laughs> I should look it up. Um, that's, that's great. Also, so the UN uh, FAO has declared 2023 as the international year of millets. Nice. So we're going to see a huge push coming from uh, government uh, initiatives through uh, through the FAO in the next few years. Um, I mean, I usually tell people, you know, hashtag millet is a new quinoa because uh, <laughs> millet is where Makes quinoa sense. was at a few years ago. Yeah. And, um, and um, uh, the UN has declared an international year of quinoa in... Uh, I want to say 2008 or 2013, one or the two, because one year was um, quinoa, one was pulse. So those initiatives really do a good job, although slow. So it takes a few years for it to like, you know, trickle down into different countries and then uh, popularize these uh, crops uh, in different formats. But uh, FAO's recognized the importance of growing millets globally and consuming these crops because they are a superfood and such a uh, crop, uh, such a uh, and it, it's a regenerative crop too. So it it's it's grown naturally, organic. It doesn't need any inputs, whether it's pesticides, fertilizers. Um, so farmers can actually make more money because uh, they're they're not investing in inputs while growing these crops. So it's just a great crop for um, uh, farmers, for consumers, and the planet. Um, so we're, uh, we're going to see millets take a, take a bigger role in the next few years. We do grow some millets in Canada, but it is primarily used as an ingredient in uh, birth feed. Uh, because millet is oh. millet is a seed. <laughs> if you mm, have birds yeah. at home, then if you look at uh, your uh, uh, food ingredient for the birds, you'll uh, see millet as a top ingredient there birds are getting millet and i'm still eating rice like a chump <laughs> um yeah the, the the parallel key it's interesting yeah because i thought about when you were talking about that um consuming it i was thinking yeah like my i eat too much so i've gone from rice to quinoa to try and bump that up but still have the same type of meals and texture and that type of thing and this is like the next leap right like the next evolution of that is an even healthier version which is which is really really cool and one of the reasons that a lot of people go dairy-free, vegan, plant-based, whatever you want to call it, is the impact to the planet. Like that's usually mm -hmm. one of the, the leading reasons that they do it. And a lot of times they're not aware that maybe the substitute that they're consuming is actually just as bad or worse for the planet, depending mm -hmm. on what it mm -hmm. is and where it comes from and how much water it takes, et cetera. So this sounds like a much more sustainable version that would tick that box for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, so... I mean, a key thing that I talk about when I'm talking to people about um, whether millets or just food in general is uh, diversity. Um, we can't just consume the same thing uh, over and over again because we're going to miss key micro and macronutrients. So not only is diversity important in our diets and plates, but also for the soil because uh, without biodiversity, we're going to... I mean, we've, we've already lost, I think, 60% of biodiversity compared to only 50 years ago. 
So that's not a very long time. So it's important that we protect uh, at least what we are left with. And uh, if we do not grow diverse crops, we're going to lose topsoil. I mean, one of the impacts of monocropping is the loss of topsoil, topsoil erosion. And um, uh, and the best way to tackle that is uh, regenerative agriculture and uh, planting or rotating crops through different uh, growth cycles and growth periods. Um, so, and, and and it also leads to, you know, loss of uh, different uh, species of uh, plants, animals, insects that play a vital role uh, in one way or another in uh, in keeping our ecosystem alive. So uh, it's, mm. it's, it's much more than just, you know, adding variety to our plate. Mm -hmm. It's important that uh, we grow and consume a number of different crops um, for the benefit of both humans and the planet. Love it. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It is almost mind bending how complex it is, but I do love that society seems to increase, you know, like everything there's, you know, people on the tip of the spear, like yourself who are, who are driving it, but society is slowly getting its head wrapped around all these concepts and, you know, regenerative farming, you started maybe to hear about five, six, seven years ago. And now it's like, almost, you know, most of us have heard, not that we all understand it super well, but heard that term now. And it's just, it's good to see it continuing and you know products like this coming coming to the fore uh that that really really push us forward now i'm i'm curious like so you you go from um you know kosha and and you make this decision you you want to basically marry your your you know knowledge of grains and and um and your experience in dairy and bring it together for this awesome product in rainfed and and like what's you know what was the approach like in terms of you know what was step one and, and how, you know, how did you set about making uh, rain fed into something real? Step one was getting through the pandemic. <laughs> I was going to say you found it at a great because, time. The... Um, yeah, we founded the company in 2020. <laughs> November. Oh, no. Perfect, Perfect time, right? <laughs> But what I mean, so uh, the founding team was uh, myself and my co-founder, Ben Roche, who I credit a lot of the product formulation uh, success with, um, is um, is both of our expertise came together in, um, in ideating uh, the concept and also creating a product that tastes good and is also, um, you know, uh, scalable in terms of manufacturing. Because it's one thing to be able to develop a prototype in your kitchen and a whole another thing to actually manufacture it at scale with the same quality. Um, so that's where we had to we had to do a lot of so in, in our formulation, it's important to point out that we actually use a few different varieties of millets. So it's not just one millet. Uh, like I said, millets grow in different forms and shapes and colors. So uh, combining uh, our, our experience and working with uh, these ingredients, we created a formulation uh, using a different, uh, and even sourcing those different varieties took a lot of time. There were hundreds of trials uh, that we did in our test kitchens. But when we took it to the lab, that's when I would say there were challenges given the pandemic, mainly because we do not have our own um, R&D facilities. So we yeah. had to rely on external facilities to 
to try this uh, formulation to yeah. see how well it works. But a lot of them were not open to taking on new clients uh, yeah. and uh, and letting us bring our own ingredients, which is completely kind of novel to them because as you said, no one's really doing much with millets. We're the first company to uh, explore this uh, uh, this potential of uh, uh, innovation with millets. So that presented a lot of challenges, but we did not give up. And uh, uh, like I said, thanks to our technical expertise, we did a lot of the formulation and product development work ourselves and uh, pretty much perfected the product to like 75, 80% before we even took it to a pilot plant. And then we did some pilot testing um, through contract research facilities and then was there was the biggest challenge, which is finding manufacturing capacity. There are contract manufacturers uh, all over the world to mm -hmm. produce a product like this, because uh, even though we created a, uh, a proprietary process, we made sure that we don't have to build a $10, $15 million facility to go run this, yeah. but we should be able to do this in an existing manufacturing setup. So we are able to uh, customize it in a way where we can adapt the process flow into the existing infrastructure. But I mean, if finding infrastructure was one, one challenge, actually finding space uh, or finding production capacity within yeah. existing manufacturers was the biggest challenge. Um, I would say that kind of delayed our first production by easily by nine to 12 months. So finally, we were able to overcome that, uh, find an amazing manufacturing partner uh, who is as excited as uh, we are about uh, our product and the team. And uh, we ran our first production in February this year. And uh, that's what we launched the products with uh, at both Future Food Tech and uh, CHFA West. Amazing. It's quite a road, eh? Like, I don't think that's that long, to be honest. Like, I think that's, you know, pretty standard for um, anything new to the world, even if you're doing it with a giant team. Um, yes, people do move faster now and then, but this, you know, you're talking about breaking some pretty new ground in terms of ingredient yeah. selection and everything. So, yeah, and plus a pandemic probably doesn't make anything, anything smoother or easier. So, very cool. Um, and, and then in terms of I guess since February, um, like what's what's been kind of the steps from there? Like I, I'm assuming now that you got product, um, I know we saw you out at shows, but like what what's been going on mm -hmm. with with kind of business development and everything there? Yeah, good question. Um, so since uh, being at CHFA, we had a lot of excitement from both distributors and retailers in. Um, in representing us in grocery, so we've been having the follow up. Con follow-up conversations after that, which uh, I know uh, you can imagine how the, how long that takes and uh, the complexities yeah. involved in uh, setting up those systems. And then we were also at a planted expo in Toronto. Um, that's, I would say, our first time where we were able to come out as a brand in front of thousands of customers yeah. and uh, blew us off by total surprise uh, by day two, 11 a.m. we sold out of our show in Madrid. Wow. Yeah. So people were incredibly impressed by the the taste and the nutritional properties of the product. And I mean, we, it was a it was a great event for us to 
test a lot of different things from price point to people's reaction to taste and consistency and label and all of that. So we really used it as a learning opportunity, but that's the first time we went from, you know, being a pre-revenue company to a revenue generating company. So that was an exciting milestone. And um, right now we're in the works uh, to set up our uh, online website uh, or sorry, online um, uh, sales uh, through our website and some e-com partners. And uh, we're going to start that uh, in the next few months and then hit retail shelves later in the fall. Well, it's so exciting. And it, it's good to hear Alex and I aren't crazy. We're not the only ones that thought it tasted amazing. So you're, get, you're getting that experience as I like, I think this type of product, yeah, going to shows and I think when you get into retailers, demoing, I think will be huge because it's, yeah, it's like, you know, what is this and what is it going to taste like? And, and, and it's incredible. Maybe you, you touched on a little bit, like the, the properties, the product or like the nutritional panel with the, of the product, like the benefits that it has, maybe um, mm-hmm. a little bit more on that, like, you know, what does it have versus other milks and, you know, like calcium or protein or anything else you want to highlight? Sure. Um, so we're the, we're the only milk, um, at least in Canada where we offer eight grams of protein with a clean label. So mm-hmm. you can compare lots of different milk alternatives that are out there. Um, not necessarily the friendliest label and uh, lots of added sugars or even like the total sugar contents usually pretty high whereas ours is at a very low uh four grams per serving and that too it's it's uh natural sugars present uh, uh that are derived from the process not added and uh, we also use a healthier fat source which uh which is seen as a favorable uh, favorable fat source for consumers. And uh, we don't have any gums, which we're super mm. proud of. So we're able to achieve that creaminess and viscosity in the milk through our processing. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and then calcium is very comparable to dairy. Um, so a lot of the people that drink milk, I mean, from, from, long time ago, we were all fed this, uh, fed this fact that, you know, drink milk, it's good for your bones, <laughs> because yeah. it has calcium and protein. So I, I mean, fortunately, or unfortunately, that has stuck with a lot of us. And uh, we still want to feed our kids milk, because it's a source of protein and calcium. And we drink milk, because it's a it's a nutritious uh, beverage, too. So we before even we launched our product, or we actually crafted our uh, brand look, our packaging, we wanted to understand our consumer needs better. So we did like a 500 person consumer focus group. And the top three things that came out as to what people are looking for in a milk alternative, no surprise at all, taste, protein, calcium in that order. So you're hitting them. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> exactly. So we're hitting all three in addition to keeping it a clean label, low sugar, and, um, uh, and a very sustainable, uh, sustainable ingredient list. So, oh, yeah. and functionality. So some of the milks that have uh, the pea milks, uh, there are some that have high protein, but they don't work well in coffee. Uh, whereas our milk mm. also functions well in all applications, whether mm. uh, you're you want to use it as a, uh, a, a as a coffee additive uh, and foam, or cook with it, <clears throat> mm. bake with it, 
um, it or, or you can drink a cup of it. Like our plant milk is the only milk you can actually drink. If yeah. you try it in comparison, like side by side with a glass of oat milk or almond milk or whatever, uh, you just won't be able to drink a whole glass of it. Whereas ours, you can. Yeah, wow. it's the and the like. I love chocolate milk. I think just from like mm-hmm. you're talking like we always joke about like big milk in the '90s. Like every celebrity in the world was doing a milk commercial. Everyone, right. when you went out of their house, was having milk with dinner. Like all the kids drank milk. At least when I grew up, and like it, it was such a phenomenon. And so like I still to this day love chocolate milk. Like I'm a child, and you're. I've had. I've tried cashew chocolate milk and a few other ones and they're not great yours was the first like non-dairy chocolate milk that i was like wow i could i could drink a glass of that it was great so i think that's that's a winner for for that side and i think in the a lot of the uh, the non-dairy coffee creamers i've tried separate and are not great once you mix them in so that's good to hear that too i'll have to try that in coffee very very cool that is true yes and um with our chocolate milk too we use um date syrup as a sweetener which is like a local glycemic sweetener and uh it's got iron um so we just really thought about every ingredient that we have put in into making this product and made sure that it checks off on you know taste health and sustainability very very cool well i i did want to just you know and i mean i'm sure it's a i'm sure it's an evolving story but you know talk about the brand and branding and and I mean you I think you've probably touched it as you've gone, but like talk to us about Rain Fred as a brand and how you've gone about making you know everything from the logo to the packaging and and kind of what your your brand heart might be and anything you want to share there we'd be really interested yeah. in. Yeah, um, I, I mean at the core of our company's mission, Rain Fed is a brand that is going to promote uh, sustainability. Um, and that means clean uh, sustainability and clean label. So which is why we wanted to give it a really clean look as well. And uh, personally, I'm a bit of a minimalist and uh, I wanted to kind of uh, bring that in, into the, the brand look as well. Uh, so you would see that our packaging has this very clean look, simple, yeah. clean, which is to show that, you know, we're all about simplicity and clean ingredients, ingredients that are better for the planet. And as I mentioned, the name rainfed comes from millets being rainfed crops. So uh, if you look on the side panel, we talk about how uh, millets are rainfed crops and it's regenerative and uh, it's a woman-led company. And uh, so we have we have that communicated in very simple language as well. And um uh, although we're starting with millets, our goal is to expand in future uh, with different crops that are rain-fed as well. Um, mm. There is uh, there is at least a handful of uh, uh, crops that are really underexplored at the moment um, in terms of uh, their application or their ability to shape the future of food. So as a as a food scientist uh, who is uh, really driven and um, uh, passionate about the sustainability uh, space. So that's kind of uh, core to my heart. And uh, as a founder, that's that's my vision for the company. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Then the name the name translates well. If, yeah. You could, it, it's not millet specific. It could be right. other crops. So I think that's that's great. It is, it is nice, clean packaging. Um, I like a lot. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about product expansion you talked about your online store some other websites some retailers like 
what else? What's next for the brand? What's exciting stuff is coming yeah, up? Yeah, so I forgot the other exciting thing that we're working yeah. on, uh, which is a which is an ingredient for other businesses. Oh. So, uh, I mean, the rain-fed milk is our um, is our uh, consumer consumer brand, but uh, we're working on creating a uh, our first ingredient, which is a millet concentrate, hmm. which can be formulated into other ingredients. Uh, whether it's uh, protein mixes, protein shakes, other beverages like smoothies or baked goods. So this can, an infant nutrition product, for example, mm. um, baby, uh, not baby food, but toddler food um, mm. and some of those products where nutrition is key. So we can provide them this powdered version of an ingredient that can enhance the nutritional value of those uh, uh, products in those categories. So this will be a B2B ingredient that we will be offering. So we're a few months away from commercializing this ingredient, but uh, our initial prototype's ready and we've already uh, been giving some samples to some potential uh, consumers and uh, received great feedback. And uh, a milk powder uh, alternative is also possible with that ingredient. Mm. Um, that's something that we're working on as well. And uh, in future, uh, we're also going to create other ingredients that are um, protein rich, or there could be you know fiber extracted from the millets, and uh, different fractionates that uh, provide a uh, value addition to these crops. Incredible! Very cool. Very cool. And are you going to launch that under the rain-fed brand, or are you thinking? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I also think the milk, like, just, you know, just talking off the cuff here, like, if it was at Starbucks, mm-hmm. I'd put it in my Starbucks. So, Starbucks, if you're listening, yes, probably get on this. Starbucks, uh, you know how to reach us. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are speaking to a few uh, cafes and some uh, health food. Uh, uh, Food service chains in the GTA to awesome. to put uh, rain fed milk in their menus at well, the moment. Makes perfect sense. Um, so, so John, the, there's a question mm-hmm. we ask all our guests, uh, and it's it's you know for you uh, as a you know consumer and as a consumer products professional, um, is there a, you know what's your brand crush? Is there a brand out there? Maybe you you use it and love the product, or maybe you just love what they're doing um, from a positioning standpoint, maybe from a sustainability standpoint that you, you maybe just want to give some recognition to and, and a bit of a shout out for. Nice. Um, does it have to be CPG? It does not. <laughs> we've had everything okay. from, we've had everything from motorcycles to shoes to oh, amazing. everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one brand that I kind of found online recently, it's a yoga mat. Um, okay. I, uh, uh, I mean, I, I've been doing yoga for quite some time, but I hate the smell of the yoga mats. <laughs> they, yeah, the, there's the, a the certain res- smell. Yeah, the resin. Like, I mean, I'm sure everyone agrees that yoga mats have a certain smell, and especially when you're doing hot yoga, and uh, it yeah. uh, it can be very off-putting. But anyway, so I wanted to see if there are any like uh, yoga mats that are made sustainably online, and came into this brand called Scoria. It's spelled as S C O R I A Scoria. So these are cork mats, and mm-hmm made in a very environmentally responsible way. And not only that, I also found out that uh, this is actually founded by a woman and she's based in Toronto or the Mm -hmm. Toronto GTA. 
And uh, not only that, but uh, they give a part of it back to this uh, uh, organization that supports indigenous youth with education or kids with education. So super cool mission, uh, in addition to creating uh, these mats that are so sustainable and they don't smell and they look great that they have really uh fun designs that are you know that don't necessarily distract you but helps you more grounded like i have one that has like moon in like different uh Hmm. different um um shapes Uh, not shapes sorry like a uh different uh, uh times of uh yeah Yeah. Yeah. i know what you're trying to say i don't know what the cycle yeah yeah. 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 (laughs) right um so I looked up uh, their online presence, like really blown away by how well their social media is and uh, the things that they're promoting. And then I ordered it online. And, uh, and then when it arrived, the whole experience of unwrapping it, and all the little tags that came with it that told you about how this was made and what it gives back to and things like that. Everything was done with such great attention to detail. So much so that I kind of stopped the founder online and, and sent her a nice message. And uh, it, I mean, very few brands inspire me to like reach out to the founder and actually like, you know, say, yeah. uh, say things like that. So uh, that's something that I was blown away by recently. I, I, I love it. I can see Alex is looking at it right now. I can already yeah. see. I, I've already chosen which one I think I'm going to buy. I, um, I was just going to say, yeah, my, my, my wife, my life partner loves yoga mm-hmm. and my co-host nice. partner, Alex also loves yoga. So I think nice. I just got Chris, Christmas gifts for both of them. Thank you. Uh, there I, you go. There you I go. think it's, I think it's pretty genius actually. Like I, like, cause yeah. when I, I used to actually do um, like energy exchange at a studio for mm-hmm. a, a good couple of years. And uh, I remember that the, cause I used to clean them. The floors I think were made of cork. Um, so it's totally yeah. a natural, like yeah. it's a perfect fit exactly nice very cool that's a great that's a great one um so last last question here for you um you've started a company before a pandemic you've navigated through that we're now in a bit of a recession you're navigating through that you're ramping things up so you've survived some big hurdles um for anyone else that's starting out in cpg maybe founding a company you know yourself five years ago like looking back what advice would you give to somebody that was starting out now Mm. I mean, where do I begin? I feel like this could be a whole another podcast. <laughs> um, one thing I would say I've been pretty grateful for is uh, is the core network that I've been fortunate to build around me. And uh, these are people, you know, some people I've never met before. I've, you know, especially through the pandemic, sometimes I haven't met them in, you know, in person for the first time in like three years or so. But <laughs> Uh, people that I've only met online um, who have been hugely supportive and some have been through just virtual conferences or cold DMs on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, those uh, awkward uh, Zoom Zoom networking events and things like that. So uh, just build build your network early. It doesn't matter, you know, what you might end up doing a few years from now, but it's finding people who are genuinely eager to support you or eager to share their expertise or uh, who understand your mission and want to be a part of it. There is all kinds of people that can support you, whatever journey you're on. So I think 
really building those connections. And I mean, sure, they take time, but um, y- your your net worth is your net worth. I think yeah. is the, is a very uh, underestimated yeah. uh, statement. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Nothing gets done alone. That's for sure, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah, and, I think that's a great one. And it that, can be yeah, a lonely are, journey, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was just going to say those could be like you know what founders to advisors to consultants to industry experts to investors to whoever it is like there is yeah there's just no limit to uh you know any specific category of people it's just you know somebody has uh, sorry everyone has something to offer and uh same same goes for uh everyone too like i mean i have something to offer to somebody so if someone reaches out um you know as long as it is reasonable and I know that I can add value and I have time, I will take that meeting or I'll take that calls and do what I can to support that person. So it goes both ways. Yeah. yeah you got to pass it on right now that now exactly. that you've gone through the journey and, and met people, yeah. I think we're in, a, we're in a good space for that. I think CHFA West is like a good sign of that. Like the people walking around and yeah. the number of conversations we had Alex with people and everyone seems very supportive. And we use the example of Phil, Phil Chang who told us to go check out your booth and that's how we discovered you. Right. So people are very supportive and, in that space and usually willing to help you out. And we've talked about it on the show and, and pick up the phone and spend time with you and give you the time, which is, which is really awesome. Um, so I think a lot of times you just have to reach out to them and try and yep. to your point, put yourself in uncomfortable situations right. like those networking events and yep. um, it pays off. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> well, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the time. Thank you. So, yeah, so great chatting awesome. with you. Fascinating conversation, like learning more. I'm going to be doing a bunch of millet research now. I'm super curious about it and wanting to learn more, but it was awesome to hear it. I can't wait to see rain fed on, on shelves everywhere around me and, and buying some. You'll have to let me know grocery stores near me that I can go check out and buy some. And let, um, let us know when your online store goes live. We can we can maybe yeah. give give a give a shout out on that as well as we absolutely as we get the gospel out on this podcast. Might as well let people know that they can get some rain fed at home too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, absolutely do. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, doing this and organizing this uh, podcast. So uh, kudos to you both for taking the time to do this. Of course. It's our yeah. pleasure. We really appreciate it. Sujala. It's great to chat. Pleasure chatting as well. Take Thanks care, so Justin. Bye. Bye, Joy Alex. Berkeley. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was great. I uh, I think that's an amazing product, and uh, I think the world needs you know more founders like that who are thinking about kind of the holistic the holistic you know situation around the product upfront, everything from nutrition to um, to sustainability and and uh, you know everything in between. I, I think it's it's really cool, and you know I'm excited to see where that product goes and where Millet goes in general because. Like I said in there, like I, I was kind of blown away just to see like Agriculture Canada just giving a a full, yeah. you know, a, a full, uh, a full like glow up to Millet right on Google. So, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for that. So anyhow, Justin, what were some of your key takeaways? Yeah. First thing I want to say is we are not kidding. The milk is amazing. Try it if it's at your store. Trust me, it's going to blow you away. And we're not sponsored or anything. I'm just telling you, it's it's great. It's great. You really got to try it. Um, I had sort of two. I think I loved, like, it was a fascinating conversation with her about sustainability in the crop and what it does because I, I don't know much about it. So I really enjoyed just hearing 
you know, her experience, how she's looking at it, um, how she's approaching that. The second was something that sort of stuck out to me, which was around the name. And it, it brought me back to one of our earlier podcasts with Erica Rankin, where she gave advice around make sure that your product name isn't too limiting to what you can do with the brand. Um, she talked about Brodo maybe being a bit too limiting versus a, a broader name. So in this example, RainFed, I think is, is perfect because, uh, you know, already Sujal is looking at different avenues that are rain fed crops and different products that it can create. So the umbrella underneath that, it's not a millet based name. It's rain fed, which can lend itself to, to different products, which I think is, is really smart and, and set up for success. What about you, Alex? I think for me, um, one of the takeaways, and I really liked it as, as I think Sujala was talking and I, I thought, you know, for her, it showed a good strategic mind was her ability to create really effective priorities at different levels. So on one level, she, she, you know, she used real primary research to come up with the priorities for her product, which were, you know, mm-hmm. taste, protein, and calcium and, and, and built a great product. And, and as Justin said, you know, like it's an amazing product and, and it really hits all of the boxes that consumers are looking for very effectively, but that doesn't mean that RainFed is a, a taste protein calcium company. And, and when asked about what her brand stood for, her clarity and speed to just re- immediately say sustainability, <laughs> yeah, yeah, minimalism, and and woman led. I, I think like having those, you know, those clear priorities for the the actual business entity separate from the product and and just those types of clarity give so much more um stability and and you know smooth uh strategic ability to navigate in the market so uh, i mean kudos to sujala on 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 the way she's thinking about the business because i think it i think it's going to serve uh that company very well yeah agreed um fantastic conversation just incredibly intelligent uh about sustainability too it reminded me a bit of our conversation with karen mccarthy just like diving into super complex topics and just a great perspective on it for you know, two dumb guys like us. It's nice to have people that are science. experts. I love talking to scientists. It's, uh, <laughs> makes me, it's, 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 it always makes me feel stupid, but it's it's so cool. It's, well, yeah, you just learn so much. So not only learn their story and the brand, but learn a little bit more about, you know, we both got kids and what we want to feed to them and sustainability. I think it's, it's cool that we're picking up some of these nuggets. But everybody out there, head to rainfedfoods.com and check it out. Hopefully their online store is, is going at this point. It'll be on shelves uh, near you very soon. If you're still with us, thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Remember to like and subscribe, follow us on social media, give us those five-star reviews and you know, don't forget to just comment and, and send us messages about what you like, what you don't like, what you want us to change, all of those things. Um, but thank you for sticking with us on this journey. Goodbye, everyone.